few weeks ago, Starl and I were in Madagascar, Africa. Seems like things have gone such a whirlwind since then. I haven't got to speak much uh, about our trip. We had a great time and uh, felt your prayers and uh, appreciate them so very, very much. Well, while we were there, I had the opportunity on that Sunday to be able to preach in one of the churches that we had just built um, last year. And it was really exciting to see the uh, efforts that the congregation had put into finishing, uh, finishing the project. But you know, every time that I go to Africa, it's a little bit difficult to minister there in a foreign land because of the language barrier, barriers and the cultural hurdles that you face. You know, if I talk about the economy in America or the issues going on in America, they probably many times don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And as you can imagine, my jokes don't work well at all there, similar to how they don't work very well with you here. But, you know, we, we, we keep plugging away, don't we? And so, you know, communication, it can be difficult. It, it's kind of like husbands and wives communicating. You know, not very long ago, Starla was mad at me. I'm sure that really shocks you and surprises you that she would be angry at me. And anyway, so for several days, she was giving me the silent treatment. And uh, so anyway, we think we were just rocking along. She gave me the silent treatment. And I did not help matters when I just one day I popped off and said, you know what? I mean, this is great. We've really been getting along great lately. I, I, I did not help myself with that. And so, uh, but communication, it's interesting. One time in Malawi, my dad was ordering fish for dinner. And he said, I'll have the chamba, which is a fish that is available in Malawi. Well, the waiter knew that my dad was a preacher. He was a pastor. And, and the waiter looked shocked and horrified. Well, what we found out was chambo is the fish. Dan ordered chamba which is marijuana. <laughs> but you know, my dad, hey, my dad has always been ahead of the game. He's always been a trendsetter. I mean, it would have been legal now for him to order marijuana over in Malawi, just like it is in Colorado, here in Oklahoma, and most of the United States. My Lord, what is happening to us? But anyway, to minister to people of different cultures, it's difficult to talk about anything else except Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected because many times nothing else is relevant to where they live. And over in Africa, where it's viewed by many as hopeless, one of the main things that I always try to impart to the people of Africa is hope, is hope. But you see, the truth is, whether you live in Africa without anything as far as worldly possessions, or whether you live here in America where most of us are wealthy by the world standards, we are all in desperate need of hope to be a part of our lives. And everyone needs the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ because, friends, let's face it, we live in a dark day. Marriage problems, financial troubles, physical issues have no cultural boundaries. But I want you to know that while it may be dark in our world, it's gloriously dark because the Bible says that it gets darkest right before the dawn. 
And when humanity and societies are at their worst, it is in that dark moment that Jesus Christ is going to step out on a cloud in the eastern skies and he's going to call his church home and be to be in eternity with him. Friend, I want you to know this morning there is hope. And it is a hope that is relevant in Africa, and it is a hope that is relevant in America. It's what the Bible calls the blessed hope, the hope that soon and very soon Jesus Christ is going to call those who follow him home. The Apostle Paul writes in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. <clears throat> this is the promise. This is the promise that in the middle of our troubles, in the midst of our trials, that we have this special hope that we will endure through our struggles. It's the hope that this life as we know it is going to come to a glorious end because Jesus Christ is going to be revealed in all of his power. Friend, I want you to know this is the ultimate hope for the child of God. Now, the hope of his return, this blessed hope that I'm talking about, it is a purifying hope. Titus 2.12 says, we just read it, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. The fact that Jesus is going to appear urges us to deny ungodliness and to avoid worldly things. Listen, when I truly have this blessed hope in my life that Jesus Christ could come back any minute, it teaches me to live a pure life. It helps me to understand that I don't want to be caught unaware. Now, I have no doubt at all that if you knew that Jesus was coming back to earth today at noon that there would be a world of soul searching that would go on in your life and in mine to make sure that we were ready for his return. Wouldn't you agree? Another way <clears throat> the expectation of his coming purifies our hearts is in 1 John chapter 3. Verse number 2 says, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he, he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then listen to what it says in verse number 3. Everyone that has this hope in him, what? Purifies himself. Friend, when we really believe this in our hearts, when we really believe that Jesus is coming again, it has a way of causing us to be pure in the presence of God and in our daily life. 1 John chapter 2.28 says, We don't want to be caught ashamed on the day of his appearance. You see, because when we have faith in the future, it yields work in the present. When we have faith in what's going to happen in the future, it's going to result in us working today. Many, many years ago, there was a city in Maine where they were going to put in a new hydroelectric plant. 
Well, to do this, they had to dam up the river. And so everyone knew in this little town that their town was going to be flooded. It was going to be underwater. And so people knew that they were living in a ghost town. And so even though nothing had happened yet, no one had been evacuated, they hadn't even started building the dam, the city began to deteriorate. No maintenance was done. You see, because you, and you, can't, you can't really blame them because they knew that their future wasn't in that city. And so when we lose hope, when we lose faith in the future, we do the same with our spiritual lives. We do the same with our marriages. We do the same with our jobs. It's almost as if we've given up because life seems hopeless. Where there's no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. Where we have no hope in tomorrow, there's not going to be any activity today. But friend, I want you to know that it doesn't matter what your circumstance you can reach out and realize that if there is hope for a better tomorrow, you can realize that there is grace in the middle of your trial and that the fourth man is in the fiery furnace. That is why you can have hope. But then if even that is not enough, there is the ultimate reality that your king is coming back to earth again. And this hope cannot be deterred by any government. It can't be discouraged by negative Uncle Ned. It can't be thwarted by any circumstance when you have the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to earth again. And that's why the Bible calls it our blessed hope. So while this blessed hope is a purifying hope, it's also an encouraging hope. I mean, friend, listen, no matter how chaotic this world gets, no matter how bad it seems, God is still in control. I mean, daily we are bombarded with terrible, horrible, sad news, but I want you to know God says, I wasn't taken by surprise. I wasn't caught off guard. I'm still on the throne, and there's nothing that evil men can do to change that. Friend, God is in control of the situation. And so the blessed hope is also an encouraging hope. Colossians chapter 116 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Friend, there is nothing that man can do to you. There is no power higher than the God that you serve. Everything is under the dominion and authority of the power of God. So, matter, so no matter what's going on in my life, I have this understanding of the blessed hope that is an encouraging hope, and that is by him and for him all things are created, and he is constantly working for my good. But hey, I, I live in the world just like you do. I'm married just like you are. And I understand that on the surface, this world looks like it's in pandemonium. Why? There is chaos in the world today because the bride is not with the groom. There is chaos in the world because the criminal belongs in prison, but he's still roaming about roaring like a lion. The world is in turmoil because it appears that the king is not on his throne. And proof of that is because any time any sort of tragedy happens, you have all these people saying, how could God let this happen? Where was God when this or that happened? Well, friend, I'll tell you, 1 John 5, 19 says 
that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's why evil happens. Satan controls the evil hearts of men. But I want you to know the beginning of that verse says, we know that we are of God. The blessed news is, the blessed hope is, that when Jesus returns, the bride is going to be with the groom, the criminal is going to be thrown in prison, and the king is going to be firmly established upon his throne on the face of this earth. That's why it's a blessed hope. You know, anymore, we think that chicken either comes from the freezer or KFC. That's where it comes from. But you know, when my dad was a kid, my grandma would just walk over, grab a chicken, and... Anyone remember that? And it was over. The chicken's head in her hand, she'd drop the chicken's body down to the ground, and that thing would turn into a track star. I mean, the headless chicken of the apocalypse would sprint across the yard faster than it ever did when it had a head. Its wings flapping, it was flopping all around, jumping up in the air, trying to fly. Well, I want you to know that when it looks like the world is in chaos, the devil is just like that chicken. That chicken may fly and flop and stir up a lot of dust, but he can only fly and flop for so long because the end is near for him. And you need to understand, it may look like the devil is running around, running roughshod over your family, running roughshod over your life, and having his way in this world. But I'm telling you, he is running around like a chicken with his head cut off. There is coming a time when the Lord is coming back with a shout to establish his kingdom and his rule. Friend, I know it may look bleak in your life, but you need to understand Satan's time is short. Satan is defeated. God is in control, and the king is coming again soon. So it's a purifying hope. It's an encouraging hope. And the blessed hope of the return of Jesus Christ is a unifying hope. You know, in Africa, because Islam is such a unified front, most of the time all of the Christian denomination work together. All of the Christian denominations work together. And it's because it, Islam makes a big deal about pointing to division in the body of Christ. Why there can't be th anything real to Christianity. And so they always want to point to the disunity of the Christian church. Well, you know, we in America, we need to learn a lesson from that. Folks, listen, the church needs to understand that we don't have time for our petty arguments and our petty fights. It's too late to be judging and criticizing and fighting over opinions and personal preferences. We need to realize that the hour grows near to the coming of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 says that our love for Jesus and each other should grow stronger as we approach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church as a whole is arguing over things that do not matter. We're talking when we should be listening. Now, this church, Harvest and Living God Church, we have a wonderful spirit here. But let me tell you, we need to guard the spirit that we have. 
because it is the exception and not the rule in most churches today. And it's so easy to get lax and let our tongues rule. The quickest way to quench the spirit around here is to open your mouth and close your heart. And one of the main reasons the body of Christ hasn't been able to do more in the world is because of unbridled tongues that can reach across town and stab someone in the back. I mean, we can't agree on the color of carpet. We don't like what Sister Susie is wearing. And on top of that, Brother Bob just simply, simply bugs us. But friend, I am telling you that we are getting so very close to the coming of the Lord that we had better get off the personal program committee. We had better close the complaint department. We better get on the welcoming committee because soon and very soon, Jesus is coming back to earth again. Friend, I want you to know that if you love Jesus, you are going to love what Jesus loved, and Jesus loved his church. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, so much more as you see the day approaching. Friend, can I tell you the day is approaching? And the fact is, it is hard, if not impossible, for you to love Jesus and not love his church. Why? Because the church is his bride, and Jesus died for his bride. But you know, the problem so much today is that people don't walk in the door of the church until they're either hatched, matched, or dispatched. When they're hatched, we throw water on them. When they're matched, we throw rice on them. And when they're dispatched, we throw dirt on them. And that's the only time a lot of people ever darken the doors of the church. But I'm telling you, friend, it's time for us to get our priorities in order. Folks, we better get our house ready. We don't have time to be squabbling over things that don't matter. We don't have time to be squabbling over peripheral doctrines that don't make a difference in eternity because the king is coming back, and he is coming back after a church that is eager and hungry for his return. We need to unify our hearts. We need to love one another and get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when everything else fails, when I'm praying for healing but I'm still sick, when I'm praying for provision but I'm still in lack, when I pray for that miracle but yet the mountain doesn't move, I want you to know that I have this one promise that one day I'm going to look to the east and the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a trumpet call of God. So friends, we need to be ready. I mean, folks, listen. Listen. It is so amazing how we chase the lake, we chase the ball, we chase all of our kids' activities on Sunday. But when there's a catastrophe in our life, what is the first thing we do? God, can you help me? God, God, where are you, God? We want to hurry and run to our trunk and pop the lid and break out our spare tire. And have God come to our rescue. And so the next time you're tempted to skip or come once a month or come every other Sunday, I'm just telling you, you'd better realize that Jesus is coming. And we need to understand that being in the house of God is more important than ever because that day is drawing near. Now, while it's a unifying hope, this blessed hope is also a challenging hope. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not you? 
in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica, you were saved under God's blessings on our efforts. And you are our hope. You are who we're going to lay at the feet of Jesus as our reason for rejoicing, as our joy, as our hope. We're going to lay you at the feet of Jesus as a reward. Friend, listen to me. The understanding that Jesus is coming back to earth soon is a challenging hope to me so that I will have some fruit to lay at his feet when he returns. You know, going to Africa lost its glamour for me a long time ago. And I don't mean to sound haughty or egotistical or, or, oh, I've been there so many times, but it's a very difficult trip. And so the glamour of going over there is not fun anymore. The reason we go over there, the reason I ask you to give to build churches over there is so we can reach a people that have not heard or have not heard distinctly. We go there for the purpose of winning souls. And so the question today, is there, is there going to be anyone in heaven because of you? It's a challenging hope because our business should be the business of souls. I mean, this is a very simple, almost absurd example, but, but how foolish would it be for the parents of a baby whose house is on fire, they run and they grab the important things, they get their checkbook, they get their wallets, they pick up the flat screen TV, knowing all the while that the baby is still in the crib. So they're working frantically trying to get all the other important things taken care of, and certainly they plan to eventually get back around to getting the baby. But by the time they get all their worldly things together, get all their worldly activities taken care of, do all the things that they want to do that please them, they don't have time to go back and get the baby. And how tragic the baby perishes because they were preoccupied with the menial. Can I tell you today, the house is on fire? Hell is real. Sin is real, and eternity without God is real, and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is more than real. The church needs to get past a menial task of managing a business or just having a bless me get together, and we need to get our hearts directed to the reality that Jesus Christ is coming again, and this world needs to meet him. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. And every single one of us, every single one of us sitting in here today knows someone who needs Jesus. What are we doing about it? We need to be challenged today. And we need to be wise going about the Father's business. Boy, you guys really got quiet on that point. This blessed hope is also a stabilizing hope. James chapter 5, verse 8 says that the understanding of his soon return will cause you to establish your hearts. 
just piggybacks on the point before. I mean, so many people are just, I mean, there's no other way to say it. They're just inconsistent in their faith. But you know, many times in Africa, when people respond to Christ, they realize what they're risking. I mean, they're giving it all up, especially in a Muslim village. I mean, they could be disowned from their family, and in some cases, they could be killed for accepting Christ. And so because of this, when they serve God, there's a sense of consistency in their lives because they know what's at stake. But yet, in the church in America, there is an inconsistency and instability in our lives. But the Bible says the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to cause our hope to stabilize. It should cause us to be established. It should cause us to not be consistent one day and then inconsistent the next. It should cause us to not be on fire one week, but not on fire the week after. There has to be some established consistency in our spiritual life. You know, if you came to me and said, Mike, you know, I'm not going to be in church next Sunday because we have family and friends that are coming to town. Well, I appreciate the notice, but I want you to know your friends don't pay you any compliments when they think your commitment to your faith is so shallow that their visit could keep you home. You know, we think our relationship with Jesus is just if we have time. Now, now none of us would admit that. None of us would ever admit that. But friend, actions speak louder than words. And we need to realize that, that this is serious. And I know, I know, I, I, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here. But, you know, there was a, an elderly lady who I talked to one time. I was talking to her about the Lord. And she said, you know, Mike, um, I, I, think it, I think she was 90, 92, 92 or 93. She said, you know, I've been, I, I've been hearing that the Lord's coming back since I was a kid. And, and it hadn't happened yet. And so, you know, I, I really don't know if I believe or if I don't believe. I, you know, I really don't know if, if it's going to happen or not. Folks, just because the promise has not happened yet does not mean that the promise is not going to happen. And we need to make sure that our relationship with Jesus Christ is the number one thing in our life. I'm sure not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us would say that our relationship today is the strongest it's ever been in our life? Now, I hope most of us could say that. But my point is, we need to realize the priority of his coming back and what that means. We need to realize that this is not a fairy tale. This is the real deal And as the world gets worse and worse and worse, we keep wondering, how can Jesus not come back? For some reason, he is waiting. But that doesn't mean he won't come back before this service is over. So there needs to be a consistency that has to be established in our heart. And when you truly understand, I think that's the problem. I don't think we really believe it. 
I think it's just something, yeah, 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 we agree to it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we really don't believe it like it's really going to happen. And if we understood that any minute of any hour of any day, that could be the moment that Jesus comes again, it would stabilize our relationship with him and it would stabilize our hope. So it's a unifying hope, it's a challenging hope, and it is a stabilizing hope. Then I want you to know that it's also a comforting hope. It is a comforting hope. Some of you have been praying, but your family's still in trouble. Some of you have been praying and your finances are still a mess. You've been praying and your body is still sick. But friend, I want you to know the coming of Jesus Christ is a comforting hope because in the midst of any situation, Jesus can come again and take us home. And this hope will comfort you wherever you're at. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. And then verse 18 says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. What words? That soon the Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout. What word? Soon and very soon we will be caught up together with him in the sky. That's why it is a blessed hope because it is a comforting hope. It may seem like your world is falling apart. It may seem like people's lives are falling apart. The power of the enemy looks like it is increasing every day. But I have news for you. I am not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm not looking for a rock to climb under. I'm not looking for a plan B contingency plan because my king is coming back to earth again and I am looking for a hole in the sky. And that is a comfort to me. Now, if that is not a comfort to you, that's why we have altars in the front of this church. It can be before you leave here today. You know, in Africa, when royalty comes to a village, there's always a rider that comes before the king or the chief, and they would announce to the village that royalty was coming. And the writer would say, the king is coming, so get your house in order to give him a proper welcome. Well, just a few weeks ago when I was in Africa, I said, I am that messenger who has been sent to tell you that the king of kings is coming. And because those in Africa understand kingship, they would realize that while they may be under the power of a dictator or while they may be suffering in their life, they understand that a new king is coming with a new rule and they would have a new hope in their lives. Well, friend, can I give you the message this morning? The king is coming. The king is coming. It's not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It's not my imagination. It is the reality of all realities. It is the fact of all facts. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, is coming back to earth again, and we should be comforted by that fact. Now, we're celebrating here at Christmas time. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus came and was born and lie in a manger. And then also, he came to be our suffering Savior. 
to hang on the cross. But I want you to know when he comes this time, the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's not going to be to lay in a manger and it's not going to be to hang on a cross. Because when he appears, it will be in his righteousness. It will be in his glory. There will be a crown on his head. A sword will proceed out of his mouth. His hair will be as white as wool. Eyes that are a flame of fire and a robe with a vesture that has been dipped in blood. And he will hold a name that no man has ever held before. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And our King is coming back again. Now, friend, I realize when you pray, but you're still sick, when you believe for your marriage, but it's still in trouble, when you have gone through hell and high water and your prayer doesn't seem to working, I understand that times are tough, but I'm here to tell you today that you need to keep looking up, keep looking up, keep looking up because your redemption is drawing nigh when the storm clouds gather over your head, when Satan is battering down your door and you don't know if you can hold on or not. Look up, look up because the king is coming back. Friend, I want you to know you can have the ultimate hope that Jesus Christ is coming to this earth again. And it is a blessed hope of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. You know, I've been talking about hope. And, and you know, hope in our vocabulary, I mean, it, it's, it's cloaked with uncertainty. You know, we ask, uh, will OU beat Alabama? Well, you know, Kyle thinks so. Do you think so? Okay. You know, yeah, we think so. We don't know. Around this time of year, what do a lot of people say? Well, will I get a Christmas bonus? I hope so. I hope I do. And so we wrap the word hope in the very statement of uncertainty. I hope that my hope comes true. But I want you to know the hope of the Bible is not the uncertain or false hope of this world. The blessed hope is a biblical truth, and it is more sure than the sun coming up tomorrow. Now, when I was young, I used to listen to my dad preach about being left behind when the Lord comes back to earth again, and it scared me. And it scared me into living right. Now, I didn't preach this this morning to try to scare you into living right. I preach this this morning because there's never been a time in my life when it has brought me more peace and more comfort to realize that he is really coming back and it's really going to be soon and he is going to take me out of this hard and difficult world. I want you to know, friend, the king is coming. Now, I don't know if it's going to be today, tonight, or next week, or in 10 years, but I have hope, I have faith that it's going to happen in the future, so that means I need to be working in the present. And so do you. And this hope gives me the peace that even though I'm in the fire, even though I'm sick, that he's still coming. It gives me the hope that even though my life is under attack, he's still coming. Even though the economy is crazy, Jesus is still coming. And friend, if you get that reality in your spirit that God is in control this morning and he isn't surprised by your circumstance or what's going on in your life, you are going to be just fine. Because Matthew chapter 24 described to a T that the day that we live in. But the Bible also tells us that our blessed hope is happening and Jesus Christ is coming again.
The king is coming. The king is coming to take back his children home. Now I realize that it's tough. I realize that you don't need a cliche, you don't need a little verse to recite when you go home. You don't need a how-to book. 14 ways to manage your money, seven ways to fix your marriage. That's, that's not what's going to help you right now. What you need today is that you need some hope down in your heart that tomorrow will be a better day. Friend, God is an all-powerful God. He can change your situation. He is the provider. He is the healer. But more important than all of that is that he's coming again. Did you hear me? More important than to him providing for you or him healing your body is the fact that he's coming again. Because when I don't have anything else I can hang on to, I've got the reality that my troubles on earth are just temporary. And Jesus Christ is coming very soon to take me home for all of eternity. So no matter what you're going through, God wants to give you the joy and the peace and the reality that he is coming again. Jesus is coming soon. Bow your heads with me if you would.